All right, welcome back to the big program. Just after 9 o'clock in the uh, City of Champions, still a lot of text coming in. We'll get to that with our uh, Wednesday co-host, David Schlemko. Powered to you, powered by Cougar Payton Collision, our uh, family helping your family for over 40 years. Uh, check out cougarcollision.com. And you know what, Schlemmer? I did check out Cougar Paint and Collision yesterday. Did you? I had to take my uh, my truck in. Gordon Dick uh, helped me out with a, a little rear window problem that I had. Now, are you a do-it-yourselfer? Uh, I'm getting better. I mean, hockey players notoriously <laughs> not handymen. Not, yeah. But, uh, you know, you can do almost anything on YouTube mm-hmm. nowadays. So I'm, I'm getting better. I'm not going to say that I'm... A do it a DIY guy though. Like I won't take it that far. So I had a little rear window problem. I got a Ford Explorer. It's older. Yeah. You know, still working on a Classic. vehicle deal here. <laughs> Been a couple months, you know who I'm talking to. Um, but anyway, so this rear window it just it wasn't it the hinges I think what happened was I had a real bad golf game about five years ago and you know when I slammed the door really bad on the back of the uh, the hatch yeah. and anyway so the, the hinges kind of gave away so I had to kind of repair it myself I thought I did and I did a great job I thought so anyway I so take it thought? in well I did I, well it lasted for four or five years oh that's pretty good so anyway I bought a whole pail full of that JB weld and this is a you, it's an epoxy you mix it together and you put it together and then it it starts to harden immediately anyway I took it in and your buddy Gord Dick has a, he looks at me and like I'm from another planet <laughs> and he's like what are you doing like you know I just remember the look in his eye yesterday what'd you do here well but <laughs> then he said you know what I gotta give you credit he goes out of all the the you know the Mr. Fix-It jobs that come in here this one's not bad really? and it, he goes oh, but you, you know anyway he put new hinges in and everything's looking sharp now so there you go. I mean, thanks the to... Explorers ready to roll. Well, I've got, I want something else ready to roll here. It's what, what we're looking at. Uh, how was your week, Schlemmer? Week was good. Well, Halloween last night. Lots of trick-or-treating. So you had a lot, a lot of kids. What did your kids dress up as, too? Um, one was an M&M with her friends <laughs> and trick-or-treated with her friends away from us this year. So that was, that was hard on mom. Yeah. Um, the other one was a ghost, I think, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, we were talking at the break. I think the kids got it easy now. So many full-size chocolate bars flying around. Like it's unbelievable. The stash they came home with last night. And like, we used to have to work for that. Yes, you're right. And so, <laughs> you know, I was saying last night too, we had quite a few kids. Um, um, the thing that I noticed last night, the parents are, are there for, but they're hauling a wagon, a lot of them. And the kids are just dumping all the candy in the back of this wagon. You know, yeah. they used to, there was a few pillowcases that I saw last night, but more the smaller, um, you know, bags or containers, whatever you want to call it. They're working smart. I mean, you can't, <laughs> you can't really blame them there. That's a great idea. I think I saw my sister did that, actually, hmm. with the little ones. Uh, Heritage Classic. So you, what did you think of that? You played in the one in Ottawa yeah. as a player with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, first, talk about that experience. We've we've touched on it before, but uh, uh, touch on that one, Schlemmer, a little bit. Well, it's cool. I think as a player, all the players love being part of that. It's cool to play outside again. Brings you back to your roots. Uh, you get a whole bunch of swag, you know, mm-hmm. with the the throwback jerseys, and then you get all the different under gear and the hoodies and gloves, toque, shorts, all that kind of stuff. So that's pretty cool too. Uh, 
I, I wasn't at the game on Sunday watching mm-hmm. it on TV. It was, uh, looked like a cool, uh, a cool atmosphere and awesome time for the players and the fans. And I'm guessing that uh, our listeners, all the Oilers fans, are a little bit happier this Wednesday uh, oh, yeah. coming off a big victory. Do you have all that swag still? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what did you make of the game? Just, I guess watching it at home, it's probably the best. It's it's better watching it at home, obviously, than it is at Commonwealth, just because you're so far away in the sight lines right. and things like that. But what did you what did you make of the game? Just the quality of play, I guess. I thought it was good. Um, I think the weather helps. It was perfect weather. I think it was what like plus one felt like minus two at puck drop. I don't think you could ask for much better weather. So ice was mm-hmm. great. Um, Oilers played a solid game. I would I would have liked to see Calgary play a little bit better. Um, I they're having kind of an identity crisis or something. I think uh, didn't think they played very well, but a huge win for the Oilers. What did you make, David Schlemko, of uh, yesterday's roster adjustment with Adam Ernie going down and Sam Gagne signing and coming up? Well, I think it's a matter of time before they juggle things up when you're not getting any production out of your bottom six, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I heard you guys talking on the, on the radio on my way in here about some comparisons to Vegas. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's huge, right? That's depth. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when Vegas's fourth line isn't scoring, I think they're bringing momentum. You know, they're hard on the forecheck. They're having a grind shift in the ozone. Even with, even when they're not putting up numbers, they're bringing momentum. They're bringing mm-hmm. something. And I don't, I just don't think the Oilers' third, fourth lines are bringing that spark right now. A lot of texts coming in and not happy about the move technically yesterday. Uh, RL says, Kevin, I don't know much about your other texture, but I have to agree with him, about, with him about Gagne. I don't know why this team always has to try to recycle old players. Gagne had a time and place, uh, but time to move on. Uh, the Oilers' record doing this hasn't been good for 20 years. That comes from uh, RL. Thanks for this one. Hey, have a great show. Another positive, great Wednesday. <laughs> that, that didn't come from Arius either. Man, we've had some good ones with him. Uh, Brian, not happy. Anybody that signs Sam Gagne, not a cup contender. Uh, I, I don't, I don't understand where people. And this is one of the harder things that I have to do, honestly. To, when I when I knew what I was going to do this job, the, the the people that are so negative about players, and I'm sure when you thought about coming on here every Wednesday, and people texting in, and you you feel the negativity, and did you did you feel like I don't know if I can do this when you're talking about not just you know you're in the brotherhood right you're yeah. you're in the brotherhood David Schlemko so did you wonder if you could kind of how your reaction was going to be to this can you kind of take us down that road yeah a little bit um, I remember sitting injured with Max Pacioretty when we were in Montreal. I can't remember who we were watching, but it was a former player doing some analysis and Patch saying, like, why would anyone ever do this? Like, why would you go to the dark side and, you know, rip on all your old teammates Mm -hmm. and stuff? So, I don't know. I always kind of had that in the back of my head. But, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I try not to rip too much on players. I mean, we're trying to give an honest analysis. Uh, I'm not going to go out of my way to kind of beat somebody into the ground but um you know we're in a hockey hotbed here in Edmonton and that's what people want to talk about whether it's mm-hmm. whether it be positive or negative so um, uh, I, yeah. I guess I understand I mean with gags I think he's been proving people wrong for 
long time. Years now, right? I mean, he came into the league real hot and undersized. Yeah, he was. He's a big offensive dynamo. And then, I mean, I was still playing for. I mean, it's probably five years before my career ended, and mm-hmm. he was down in the minors and kind of had a resurgence in Columbus. I think it mm-hmm. was came up, and then he was in the minors in Philly and back up. Vancouver, I think. So, I mean, Toronto, Winnipeg. This guy's just been you know, proving everybody wrong for years. Detroit. I think uh, I thought he played quite well in Detroit. Yeah, to be like honest with you, he's got to be doing something right. So I'm sure he'll slide in there and be a nice mentor for some of those young guys in the bottom six. So, I don't know. I think we give Gags a chance. That's what I think. How about give someone a chance? Might bring some some much needed skill and. Uh, a little offensive punch to that bottom six. Uh, Rockford chimes in on our text line, one 1440 uh, Unrestricted free agents, Eric Stahl, Nick Ritchie, Phil Kessel is your fourth line. No chance these guys would be pointless in seven games. Uh, the Duke, yeah, that was the good intro music, right? The, uh, this is Steven coming in. Uh, anytime I hear that song, I think of uh, uh, Virginia Tech football. Uh, and then the Duke responded to Stephen saying, "On my list, on my list of dream college football stops. Um, if you have you ever seen that, like when they play play the song uh, Schlemmer at VT, I have not. So it's Enter Sandman, and the place is just like I mean, everyone says, oh yeah, the stadium is rocking. Well, that stadium is really rocking, literally it, rocking. If you go on YouTube and check out uh, when the players come out of the tunnel." And everyone's jumping up and down. You would swear that you're gonna that, that the stadium's gonna fall apart. That's um, pretty sick. And never been there either, but have watched the video many times, uh, many times. And, and you'll have to check it out because. Oh, I will. And, and again, Duke, that is on your bucket list to do something like this, Duke. Obviously, it's on everyone's bucket list. I, anybody that's a college football fan, I think it certainly would be. Like places like that, um, maybe the whiteout at Penn State uh, down in Death Valley. Take your pick of either Clemson or LSU, but I think mm-hmm. uh, LSU on a Saturday night certainly uh, near the top of the list as well. So there are some places that uh, it's just different and it means a little bit more. And VT, certainly one of those. Uh, you see how excited people get. Virginia Tech not known for uh, a whole lot uh, outside of uh, their athletic programs being down in the kind of coal belt there um but they take it seriously and uh i mean hey they got mike vick out of it uh and mm-hmm. that's uh, probably their most notable export from the program there are not many people happy on our text line about uh, uh where the orders are going forward with their roster movement uh maybe one uh trucker joe says i think uh it won't be long before gags uh brown and mcleod possibly um Triple C uh, Gags has got some stones, unlike a lot of his peeps. Uh, Dirk, nothing against Gagne, but he's old, small, and slow. Not an upgrade. <laughs> uh, never questioned his will, but his ship has sailed. Oh, man. Now, now this is when I am just hoping and and for a great game by Sam Gagne tomorrow. He's proved a lot of people around. You know, coming off, okay, so two hip surgeries. Let's, you know, I just would love for him to score tomorrow night. Just would love it. And again, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Yeah, great guy. Great pro, too. Great pro. Excellent teammate. Um, this is a guy that you want in your locker room. And I know everyone's going to say, well, you may want him in your locker room, but not uh, on the ice. Um, Egan says, it's annoying all the people being negative. Let's see if Ganya can play at the NHL level and then make a judgment call. Uh, Brian. 
not happy about can't even not can someone explain why the Oilers don't don't understand about what they're doing moving forward? Um, again, that was, and I've said this to people. Everyone asks, hey, so how's the job going? How you doing? What's going on? This is one of the ones the things that I don't like about going on the air, and you know, we're we're told to be interactive with our our listeners, our texters. But sometimes, you know, it gets a little too much in my mind. I don't know. Duke, do you feel that? I mean, I mean, Schlemmer, you come on, you know, the, for the two hours. When the Oilers lost the two games, I mean, we were wall-to-wall four hours with it. Yeah, and I think David just, uh, he put it really well when he said that, like, this is, that's, this is the Oilers market. It, it, there are other things around here, whether it be um, uh, junior programs at the collegiate level, the Elks during the summertime, uh, the Stingers, the Riverhawks, whatever. But... At the end of the day, it's Oilers country, and mm-hmm. that's yep. what the people are passionate about, and that's what they they get fired up about it. And mm-hmm. I, Edmonton, I think, is a little bit different in the sense that because this market went through such a long term downturn uh, at, at, in with the hockey team, the decade of darkness, like it was miserable. Almost now, it's ingrained into the fans to have a negative outlook, and as soon as things are even remotely veering away from this new positive stream that we're on, they just immediately fall back on those old laurels of being like, well, the team sucks and trade everybody and fire everybody. It's almost just like a triggered response. And it's almost going to be, you need to unlearn that behavior and understand that even good teams go through Mm. bad spells. And that's kind of just what the Oilers did to start the season. Like this is still a really good team with two of the best players, the best player in the world. And they're going to be competing for a Stanley Cup by the time the playoffs roll around. I'm still sure of it. Uh, a little bit of notes coming in in the NHL. Nicholas Backstrom announcing that he's stepping away from the game for now. He had hip resurfacing surgery back in 2022. Um, he still has this year and next year left on his uh, contract at 9.2. That comes from Pierre Lebrun. Uh, interesting. And Elliot Friedman. I mean, these guys all do it at the same time. It's like, you know, yeah. they're on the speed dial, eh, with... Between agents and NHL execs, that's how it works. I'm sure um, he's missing him trying to catch that record. Yeah. A super underrated it's gonna be, player. That's going to be tough for sure. Uh, when we come back, uh, Kevin Carries, David Schlemko on 1440. Kristen Shilton, NHL on ESPN, will be our guest. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, text coming in to one 401 from Shovelhead. Love it. Good morning, boys. I think the ones who yell the loudest are the negative ones. Never happy. The quiet majority just go about their business while being satisfied sports fans. Shovelhead. Thanks for that one. That's uh, a nice outlook. It is. Yeah, it is. Uh, time now for our headliner of the day brought to you by Mr. Reuter. They are sports fans like all of our listeners and are pumped that Sports Talk Radio is back. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrreuter.ca as we welcome in Kristen Shelton from the NHL on ESPN. Kristen, you're with Kevin Carries and former NHLer David Schlemko. Good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? We're doing just doing well. excellent. I uh, hope things are going well in your world and uh, busy time always with uh, ESPN. And, uh, you know, they had the frozen frenzy last week. First of all, how, how did you cope with that? I mean, with all the games basically for... Uh, 18 hours, it seems straight. Well, it was a, a hockey lover's dream, of course, that day. Uh, so pretty cool from that perspective of having all 32 teams playing 
Um, but I don't think I've ever had so many screens in front of me at one time. I think I had like three iPads and a laptop and my phone, all with different games. And uh, it was great. Though. It was really fun. And uh, it, it's cool when you get to do different things uh, like that. And and hopefully we can uh, we can have other nights like that with, because it really seemed to get a lot of really positive feedback. Yeah, I, I think it's going to happen again and it'll probably happen down the road maybe on a, on a Saturday and it might happen with you know, games starting in, in Europe or something like that to even add another time zone. There has been talk about that but I mean you could go probably you know from 8 or 9 in the morning just like the NFL does on Sunday straight through till uh, you know, like nine or ten at night, even further. So, uh, I think it was well received up here. Do you think it was well received down in the states as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you know, just raising. Um, you know, you're you're really just trying to get as many eyeballs as you can onto uh, onto the game now, and we have. Uh, you know, the way that expansion has been going on, and we're talking about more expansion. Uh, with the NHL, you can just see how there really are some U.S. cities that, um, you know, that really would be great places. You know, you talk about Houston, you talk about uh, some of those spots where uh, you really like to see the game expand as it is. And, and nights like that where you have every single team, where a casual sports fan, even a casual hockey fan can just tune in and uh, take a look at, at what the programming is like and how the game has evolved. It just, it really, uh, I think we got uh, so much positive feedback and the numbers were great that it just shows it's not just the hardcore hockey fans that are tuning in on a night like that, but it's uh, it's a lot of more casual fans as well. And uh, if there were more opportunities at some point for the NHL to expand, you can see how it probably would be really well received uh, mm-hmm. in quite a few different U.S. cities. Kristen, do you think you could talk about the impact maybe of uh, ESPN having the NHL back on TV in the States? I know, uh, and over the course of my whole career, I think the TV deal was with uh, NBC Sports, and I know talking at the PA meetings that they were really excited to try and get hockey back on ESPN, and do you think that's kind of helped to, to grow the game a little bit down there? I do, absolutely, because when people see that and they just know the brand of ESPN, obviously, and they see the investment that the company has made in hockey and the way that they are trying to put together, you know, really fun days like the Frozen Frenzy. They are trying different things at the All-Star Game. Sometimes things work, sometimes they don't. Uh, but you're you're really just recognizing the commitment of the network to the sport and of trying um, to, you know, give it a, a, a greater platform and to bring those amazing voices. Like when you have Ray Ferraro and you have Emily Kaplan and you have – um, just really top tier people, the best at what they do, um, getting involved. And um, I just think, again, going back to the brand of ESPN itself, it just, it, it really does make a difference. And I know for, you know, my, my friends in the U.S. that I, you know, had met either when I was working in hockey, but what maybe they didn't know as much about hockey, weren't as invested in it. Now that they can just turn on the TV down there and it's mm-hmm. something that, you know, they do see the highlights. They do see, you know, it, just as an example, I was I was crossing uh, the border in Buffalo 
uh, the other the other week, and and I, you know, the the border security guard was was just chatting me up when he saw mm-hmm. that I work when I work for ESPN. He's like, I love this on ESPN. I love that they're talking about it more. It's on Sports Center. Uh, so I really do think that uh, that it's making a difference and having an impact for sure. No, it, it was a dark time for sure as we speak uh, with uh, Kristen Shilton from uh, the NHL on ESPN from you know 2004 till you know a couple of years ago. It was a dark time for hockey in the United States for coverage anyway. So uh, Kristen, you had uh, ESPN with the article of uh, kind of power rankings and uh, man, oh man, you know up here everyone was so high on the Oilers when you did the preseason rankings and the Oilers, I think. <laughs> I think you had them ranked fourth and because of their slow mm-hmm. start uh, drop all the way to 25 in the latest rankings uh, that's a deep deep dip um, I think probably you're like the rest of us that you would expect that that uh, number uh, goes a little lower in the next little while <laughs> well I I was really just shocked almost by how Edmonton started the year, given that I know, you know, when we we have so many discussions and roundtables and uh, everything before the season starts and, and just the way that they were uh, really expected to be a, a true contender, like this is really the meat and potatoes part of what you know you have in the the prime of the careers of some of the obviously the top talents on the team and it just seemed like you were going to have this great goaltending tandem this year Jack Campbell bounces back you're gonna you know have a more settled blue line there's just going to be so much to like about the Oilers and then the way that they came out of the gate and the way things have gone for them I mean the Heritage Classic well I mean Calgary is kind of its own has its own problems uh, at the, at this point, but just looking at the way that Edmonton has has not come together, that there's no real sense of cohesion there for them as a group. I I was if you had told me that they were going to fall from top five to essentially almost bottom five, uh, you know, so fast in just uh, the first couple of weeks of the season. I would have been. I wouldn't have believed you unless you told me Drysaddle and McDavid were both out from game one. But uh, it, it really has been surprising, and I'm sure that there's a lot of theories uh, going around in Edmonton about why and and how and what has really been the biggest problem for the Oilers. But to me, it's just when I watch them, I just don't see that same confidence. That uh, that I have in years past for them, and it's it's odd because I have spent quite a bit of time in Edmonton the last two years. I've been fortunate to spend a lot of time around the team, and uh, just I, I just don't see it so far. And uh, if there, I would expect that uh, there might be another little dip when we post our next uh, power rankings on Friday, but. As we all know, you never uh, you can always expect these good teams to turn the corner uh, when they really want to. Well, yeah, I think we've kind of beat the issue to death here on what's wrong with the Oilers over the past it's couple been weeks. Wild. Yeah, it's been something for sure. I mean, they've got basically pretty much the same group that has made a nice deep run in the playoffs the last couple of years, mm-hmm. right? So you got to. I mean, we're hoping it's an anomaly to start. Yeah, do you see that then? Uh, and, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's you can look back at, at other teams where it's happened that way. You know, it, it just it, it gets 
it's almost like things don't start the way that everyone expects them to. And then there's sort of that, that dip down and, and you have to, like I say, you have to find that confidence in yourself again, but it can really be almost like a rallying point for a team where you have a really, you know, awful October uh, and it, it, it almost bonds the team in a weird way where you're like, sure. well, if we're going to, if we're going to pull it together, it's got to be sooner than later. So let's, let's, let's get this going. And, and as you say, the benefit there for the Oilers, I think, is that you do have a very similar core. And these are guys that know each other. They've played together. Uh, and there's just a return to the mean uh, for me where when you have good players and you have a good coach and you have a good structure, it's just, you know, if this was, let's say, mid-February and, you know, you go through a couple of weeks that are really terrible, you, you would think, oh, well, you know, things happen. But it's just mm-hmm. it's always when it starts this way because you're just thinking, oh, wow, well, what if they can't? pull it out what if they can't get out of this skid but I I would think if if I was a betting woman that if there's a team that you could put that Mm -hmm. um you know put your sort of trust behind that they'll at least get on a roll here at some point I think Edmonton has just got too many good pieces in place to not get the benefit of the doubt that November will be better for them Kristen Chilton, NHL on ESPN, is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show with our Wednesday co-host, David Schlemko. When you look at that list, uh, Kristen, as you said, you're going to have another one outcoming uh, right away. Detroit Red Wings, um, is that a team that has surprised you so far in the first, oh, three weeks of the season or so? I have been surprised uh, by the by the Oilers, or sorry, by the the Red Wings. And it's funny you even ask because uh, when I was doing the uh, the theme for power rankings this week, I was picking um, a word to describe each team's start, and I think surprising uh, was the one I chose uh, for Detroit, just in the sense that you you don't really know what it's going to be like when a player like Alex DeBrinkett, who had the great seasons that he did playing with Patrick King in Chicago, then goes to Ottawa, doesn't have that same success, doesn't really seem to have that same drive to his game. And then he goes into Detroit, so you're going to a third team in three years, and you just don't know what you're going to get. And it, to me, seems like he has just been such a catalyst, such the missing piece for Detroit, and I was high on them last year. I'll be honest. I was a little, I, I was taken down a couple of pegs by some people because I was really high <laughs> on the Red Wings. I thought they were going to be uh, a real, you know, Atlantic contender, and it didn't happen that way. But this year, I, I think you're seeing what they were lacking. They just kind of needed that one guy who comes in, and truly, when you're a team that is one player away, which we're kind of seeing Detroit maybe was that they had Larkin, they had the more commitment on the defensive side of the puck. They just needed that, you know, that that star power a little bit more, a little bit more to kind of bring everything together. And I think they got it into bring it. And I love what they're doing because they just play so freely. You watch the Red Wings go, and there's just they, they don't seem weighed down. They just seem to enjoy and embrace the moment. They can be up in a game, down in a game. I just love their attitude. I love the mentality, I think, that they have. 
uh, game in, game out, and it's served them well so far. And I think DeBrinket's uh, addition and just the the way that he chose that team and that's where he wanted to be, uh, I really think that um, the commitment that's been made there from Larkin and from DeBrinket uh, is really having an impact on uh, on the Red Wings now. <clears throat> yeah, great points, Kristen. I think uh, adding Jeff Petrie on the blue line is kind of a nice, calming veteran presence as well. Um, talking about Nick Backstrom here at the break, um, what do you think about him and his chances of possibly coming back? And if he doesn't, how is that going to affect uh, Alexander Ovechkin's chase at Wayne Gretzky's record? And it's just, it's such a tough spot for Backstrom because we've obviously watched him for so many years be uh, such a such a foundational piece of the Capitals and the success that they've had. Um, and say what you want about the fact that they've you know they've only had one cup in that time span, and you know should it have been more? Were they not as successful in the playoffs as, as they maybe should have been over the years? You know, that's all very debatable. But in terms of Backstrom and his contributions, his leadership, I think just the way that he's really been a, a very steadying force for that team for so long. Uh, and, and as you, you mentioned, the partner that he's been uh, to Ovechkin, would Ovechkin be even in the position that he's in to... It, it's, it feels like it's maybe dwindling a little bit that chance he has of catching Gretzky, but would we even be talking about it the way that we are this late if, if Ovechkin hadn't had all of your backstrom? So you hate to see a player of his caliber, really any player, not be able to go out on your own terms in term, in, in at the end of a career. But injuries, obviously, they we we know that it's about quality of life for players long after the game is over uh, for them. So you want him to prioritize his health and what the best thing is for him and his family. But in terms of what the Capitals would be lacking in and Ovechkin specifically, uh, I just I don't think I've encountered too many other players like Backstrom that can really be categorized in, in the 200-foot player, the two-way player, uh, but also just someone who consistently, year after year, has made not only his own mark, but really has made the players around him better. And Ovechkin yep. has uh, really, really good words of that. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll see. But uh, really just thinking about uh, about Baxter and making sure that he's getting the best care that he can. Yeah, you know, he's got a lot of miles. He's played uh, over a 1,000 games, over a 1,000 points, uh, but a wonderful career uh, so far. Hopefully he can uh, uh, get back in the swing of things. Uh, one more for you, uh, uh, Kristen Shelton, the NHL on ESPN, guesting with us on Sports 1440. Um, regarding the Heritage Classic, I'm sure you watched the game. What did you think of it? And then can you kind of branch off and where you think – the Calgary Flames are situated uh, moving forward with all those UFAs to figure out uh, moving forward with Craig Conroy next year. Yeah, um, the Heritage Classic, I thought they did a great job. I really thought the, um, the spectacle of it all is cool even when you're watching on TV. Uh, I, I'm really a fan of, of games like that. I, I think that being able to put the, the game on a pedestal 
in that fashion. Uh, really cool. Love the <laughs> the brown pants were were interesting. Uh, it's always fun to see some of those uh, those old uniform uh, elements. So I I thought that uh, from that perspective. Uh, was cool and the game itself you you know you'd maybe like to see it be a little bit more uh competitive but i it was calgary it's so tough because like you say you have all those ufas so you'd like to be having a really good year and give those players a reason why they'd want to stick around and why they want to stay i thought that um you know you get backland in you get him signed you you know, you put the C on. It just seemed like they were really trying to show that, uh, you know, under Conroy, there was going to be a change in direction from where they were with Sutter. But for all of the conversation around how Daryl Sutter was, like, bringing the team down, it doesn't doesn't really look like he was necessarily uh, the biggest problem there. There's, there's some real disconnect in that group. And Jonathan Huberto... You, you didn't want to think that that season he had in Florida was such an anomaly, but it has really proven to be truly the exception to the rule with him. It just doesn't look like he's able to have that same impact. And, um, you know, seeing the slow start for Kadri, and then you've got Lindholm, who obviously great player, and he's had a decent enough start, but is he going to want to stay? And there's, there's just so many question marks, so many little clouds hanging over that group that you wonder how it's affecting them mentally already and just knowing that there's so much uncertainty about where the team is going to go and who's going to be there in the coming seasons. Uh, I wonder if that doesn't have an effect, but Calgary, Calgary I think is in a different boat than Edmonton. I, mm-hmm. I think Edmonton can right their ship maybe a little, uh, you know, a, a lot more quickly, but I don't know about the Flames right now. I, I think they're in a real no-man's land of, of just trying to figure out, A, who they are this year, what their identity is as, as a team, and then, B, uh, I think there's there's got to be uh, some real question marks weighing on a lot of, of guys about what the future is going to look like as well. Well, we're going to find out in a hurry tonight as the Flames host the Dallas Stars and then Dallas here uh, tomorrow. Hey, Kristen, thanks so much for your time. Uh, Appreciate it, uh, all your insight, and uh, we'll see you soon and maybe have you on again in the near future. Thanks again. Of course. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Kristen. That's Kristen Shilton, the NHL on ESPN, and our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter. There's a reason they call them Mr. For all your plumbing needs, you can go to mrreuter.ca. What's your take on Calgary Flames, David Schlemko? I couldn't agree more with Kristen. I think they're having a bit of an identity crisis. Um, <laughs> you know, under Sutter, is real simple systems, but, you know, defense first, do it right, do it perfect. So I think, you know, there's all this talk about Huska coming in and now he's going to be a player's coach mm-hmm. and they're going to have fun and kind of play their way. But I, I don't know what their identity is. They're not like a good defensive hard team anymore they're not a dynamic offensive team they just look like a team that like she said they don't yeah. know who they are at what point are you fishing or cutting bait and on from both sides Craig Connery's got he's got three guys in particular to look at Elias Lindholm Noah Hannafin and Nikita Zadorov. both well, sorry, all three are UFAs after this year there's talk that Hannafin wanted to re-sign. Yeah. I don't know where he's at. He's an over $6 million a year player. 
Yeah. There's no doubt. How many years he gets, maybe the AAV comes down if he signs longer. Now he's going, is this where I want to be? He's, he wants to see things play out. All right. So where, I mean, and this goes from, from both sides. Management of the player, is this the direction I want to go with my career? And management going, Are th- is this the direction we want to go with the players? All right. So what do I, you think? Um, Zadorov, I could kind of take him or leave him. He's more, I think, kind of the third pair, just a heavy guy. Uh, Lindholm, I think, is super underrated. I think he's an excellent two-way player with a lot of offensive upside, and and Hannafin's a bona fide first-pairing D-man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think those guys are two pieces that you'd you'd want to hang on to. But like you said, do they want to be there? Like, which what kind of direction is the team going in now? Like, you know, if if you're going to get an eight-year deal, like Hannafin would be looking at that, like because he can get the extra year. He could get it, yeah. I mean, is he so eight times eight, seven? I mean, seven and a half. I don't know. It's somewhere in there. Somewhere in that ballpark, I think. So, so I don't know. Conroy's got some decisions to make, I guess, as well as the players. It kind of depends how their season goes here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think looked like Backlund wanted to leave if Sutter was coming back, and now they got him yeah. signed, and he, he's wearing the C, and mm-hmm. things aren't going so well. So uh, I don't know. I don't know what it's like in that room right now. Can't uh, be too good. No, it's not good. We're <laughs> going to find out tonight. I mean, this is a test where Dallas comes into Calgary, and, I mean, Dallas is one of the top teams in the Western Conference. The Flames, you know, we saw them on Sunday, and, I mean, they they never showed a lot of jam either. Oh, they looked flat. Uh, in that game, had an opportunity to, you know, on a, on a national stage in a, in a, a setting of the Heritage Classic to, to push their way into the game. They did a couple of times softly, uh, didn't do it enough. Yeah. And then any time they did kind of push softly, the Oilers had the pushback to, you know, negate that momentum. So Absolutely. They're the better team. For sure. <laughs> when we get uh, when we come back, we'll have uh, uh, a lot more of your text. Uh, the most important text coming in, Patty and Spruce Grove. We'll get to that one. Uh, plus, uh, Lawrence Murray from The Athletic at the top of the hour uh, as we'll uh, dissect the uh, James Harden trade, Sixers and Clippers, plus Condé Mansare. Uh It's called the BTB Soccer, Born to be Soccer, and he's a game changer on the local soccer scene. He'll be in studio with us at uh, 1020. Uh, More on the Kevin Carey Show with uh, co-host David Schlemko on Sports 1440 right after the break. All right, welcome back to the big program. Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 with our co-host on Wednesdays. Every Wednesday, David Schlemko, the former NHLer. Text coming in to uh, 1-833-401-1440. Slurpy Sean says, all the people that come in here trashing Gagne won't say a peep if he does well. Give the man a chance. Um, my favorite one, I, oh, no, I lost it. Oh, Patty and Spruce Grove. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this, uh, Schlemmer. Uh, this is Patty and Spruce Grove. I, I, I have to, he has to be from the area. So here is something positive for you. Terry's Shishliki from Kenora, Saskatchewan. Have you ever had it? Delicious. Have you ever had shishliki? Shishliki. I could not tell you what that is. It's sort of a marinated lamb. Okay. And it's I'd quite, give it a go. Duke, have you ever had it? I have not. Come on, man. <laughs> is that is that a, a common dish that I should be coming across at my regular uh, stops at Thursday night at the Canadian Brew House or what? Well, okay. 
If you just look at the name shishlaki, you would probably think it's kind of a Greek dish, I guess. Yeah. I might, if a texter can send in, a, give us a little origin about shishlaki, but it would be a marinated uh, lamb that you would grill. You could put it on a skewer. Okay. Um, I think it gets marinated for a long time, but I have had it from Kenora, Saskatchewan because we used to go out to uh, Good Spirit Lake. Old Sasky boy, eh? Yeah, which was a great lake for um, for the beach. How's that sound? You could walk out uh, a good spirit lake for oh, 300 yards and be oh, up yeah. to your waist. It was that shallow. I like those lakes. That's nice. Um, Yarg says, I've had it from there. It's awesome. Um, what was that song, Duke? I didn't catch it. This guy, B, sends in... Well, I don't yeah, even it's, know what uh, that is. Yeah, Carouse, uh, Carouse Alhambra, it's uh, like 10 minutes long if you play it in its entirety. So mm-hmm. uh, if you ever hear that one on the radio, this is a, a little trick of the trade from our friends next door at K97. You hear a song like that or uh, Stairway to Heaven. Uh, there's a few others on the list. That uh, usually means the the guys might be out for a dart or something like that because uh, oh, okay, they get yeah. a little uh, little extra time. I don't even know if anybody would ever play uh, that that one, Carouse Alhambra, on the radio because it is so long. Uh, maybe there's a slightly shorter version for a radio edit, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, I see old Pete Panonsky next door over for a dart every once in a while outside, so that, <laughs> yeah. that means he must be playing that song. Your bathroom uh, break. Yes, text that one eight three three four zero one fourteen. 40, uh, Framer Johnny asked, and the Duke responded to him, uh, does a team get cap relief when a player steps away for a while, uh, like they do with LTIR, similar to what we were talking about with uh, uh, Backstrom? Well, he's got to get on an LTIR, LTIR and then there yep. is uh, a cap relief. This one comes in, why don't they play Broberg or DeHarnay on the fourth line? Strudwick could do it. Well, okay. <laughs> Guys like Jason Strudwick don't fall off trees in the NHL, right? I mean, this is a guy that was just the he, throwback. You know, he, he was this, you know, the Swiss Army knife, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, Strudy's a great guy. Yeah. Love him. Salt of the earth. <laughs> Salt of the You know what's funny on Sunday night? I was thinking uh for some reason I I was texting him because I was greasing him about the Giants. And he was texting back. We had about an exchange, about four or five, because I told you, Duke, I said uh, to Strudz, I said, now they got Danny DeVito at quarterback? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. I think Struddy would probably play goalie if the coach asked him to strap the pads on. Yeah, I mean, that was a, a, uh, you know, I mean, he was a heck of a teammate and did anything that the team asked uh, from right from Kamloops right on. So how did, did your paths cross a lot with him? Uh, he does uh, some skill work at NAX, at NAX as well. So I, I see him every week. So, he usually strolls in about three minutes before <laughs> we're supposed to be on the ice. And <laughs> he's, uh, he's awesome with the kids. He's hilarious out there. And the kids love him too. Oh, yeah. Because he is a big kid is what yeah, he is. You know? He's funny. He's just a big kid that loves hanging out with kids, and he yeah. does a good job coaching the kids. So Yeah, he's a beauty, for uh, sure. Yeah, our neighbor uh, had his daughter coach, you know, in a couple camps, and then even, you know, they were on the same team with, with one of his sons. So Okay. Uh, uh, so Patty in uh, Spruce says, yeah, he's from, uh, oh, Raider Gritter, a Yorkton Regional High graduate. Yorkton Melville didn't get along back in the day. Well, Still don't. Sasky buddies, yeah. eh? You're yeah. Melville, Melville Millionaires yes, guy. Yes. Back in the day, yeah. There you go. Yeah, we would go to Yorkton. I actually, I ended up playing midget hockey in Yorkton. Ah. Uh, 
before this was before I went and played in Melville. But the team in Yorkton, I was it was uh, the very first edition of the Yorkton uh, Parkland Maulers, and everyone thought we were like this great big mauling team. You know, <laughs> we well, we were named after the Parkland Mall, so it was spelled it was spelled M A L L E R S, not M A U L E R S, but. We had a really good team, actually, back then. Tim Shovelday was the backup goalie. Wow. That's how good of a team we had. So who was the starter? <laughs> uh, a guy named Darren Holmes. You go anywhere? Uh, no. He was a year older than Chevy. Oh, okay. Uh, but he was he was pretty good, too. We had, like, tons of guys that went on and, and played uh, upper-level hockey. It was a good good time, for sure. So can you talk about the senior <laughs> hockey in Saskatchewan? Because every, every guy Lake. Sask I've oh. played with, they love their senior hockey. It's uh, There's lots of fun out there. Well, the Dukes, buddy, he played in Onion Lake, yeah. the big Cebolla. I think he went and played minor hockey out in Onion <laughs> Lake. He, he's from, like, Mundare, but he just, uh, you know, ventured out to a lot of those... Uh, Eastern Alberta, Western Saskatchewan areas to play hockey growing up, probably for tournaments or who knows what else. I'm not sure uh, so, how, how many towns they got to pool together out in that neck of the woods to form a team. But the senior hockey is a big deal. It is. You know what? Sask, right? I think we can talk. We'll talk about that in the 1040 break because the difference in senior hockey in Saskatchewan, save for one or one team really, and that was in that's in Rosetown. Um, here, like we've seen, you know, uh, Bentley, you know, you see Stoney. Yeah. It's an upper level. There's, without a question, without a shadow of a doubt, the, the level of hockey in in Alberta senior leagues is way better. Really? In Saskatchewan, it's a little different. It's like guys kind of getting, still getting a little frustration out. Yeah. Um, after a hard day at work. Mucking. Yeah, after a hard day's work, yeah. And there's a lot of little, like, it's smaller little leagues. You know, you got the Coppell Valley League and then the one with Onion Lake and Turtleford and all those little towns. And the fans just come out. That's what they love doing. Yeah. You know, they come it's out. A, it's a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. My buddy, Kevin Undershoots from Eston. Yes, love the Eston Ramblers. He's always talking about the Ramblers. Well, he would have been able to scoot around quite well. He's a fast little player, right? Yeah. Yeah, so he was going, he's probably going times 90 out there. <laughs> but the I guys just around. grew up, like, as a fan. I only actually played oh, for Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at 10 o'clock, we'll check in with Lawrence Murray from The Athletic and uh, do a little bit of a deeper dive from the Clippers' side of uh, the big trade yesterday in the NBA, James uh, Harden. Uh, plus, uh, Conde Mansouray uh, will guest with us in studio, born to be uh, soccer. Before that, time for a sports 1440 update. And uh, brought to you by... Michener Allen Auctioneering. Their next public timed automotive RV auction is now open for bidding. Go to uh, maauctions.com. Here is the Duke.